Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Free Idiots and a Movie podcast. As is becoming weirdly kind of tradition now, it's another Two Idiots episode. We had Kyle and Scott, not last week, but the week before. And this week, it's myself and... Kyle, once again. Yeah, Kyle's big dog these days, he's, he's showing up for them all. Absolutely. You also put a ton of enthusiasm at that intro there. God damn. I put a ton of enthusiasm in because I fucking love this movie. Well, that's fair. That they, makes one we, of us, I guess. Hey, you told me you liked <laughs> it. I liked it. Didn't love it. Today we're talking about Evil Dead 2013. It is the reboot. Reimagining. Lots of... It's, is it connected to the originals? Is it not? There's hints that it is. But it sits in its own little standalone film. And I guess we should just kind of get going with initial impressions. I know what might be controversial to some of our horror fan listeners at home is Carl's opinions on the original Evil Dead movie. Oh, do not get me started. Oh my god. He he was not a fan. Oh, it was dreadful. It was abhorrent. There was no technical skill. There was no story. There was... The visual effects were subpar at best. The acting was dreadful. I have no good words for it. I will say that film was literally made by like just six friends and a camera. In that case, see, I thought the budget was far larger than no, that. No, no, it had no budget. Sam Raimi and his mates just rented a cabin. In that case, they did a pretty good job. And when you look at the effect it's had on horror as a whole as well. What effect? Lots of Evil Dead references everywhere, but you've never watched past the first one. Well, yeah, because the... I don't know. The Evil Dead franchise as a whole didn't necessarily appeal to me, because I looked at the trailers and stuff, and I was like, ah, it's not scary. I think you'll probably like Evil Dead Rise. But is it scary? Yes, because it's like this one. But this one wasn't scary. It had some scary bits. But it didn't. Bro, the fucking deadites as a whole were just creepy as shit. They were creepy. Wasn't scary. It's not my fault that you've become desensitized. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you watch watching like Human Centipede and all of that? No, I watched that when I was younger because one of my friends bet me twenty quid that I wouldn't watch it. So I watched it and I threw up. But I got twenty quid. That's valid. I will say one day when you're in a proper goofy horror movie mood for the podcast. We will have to watch the absolute greatness that is Army of Darkness, or originally originally named The Medieval Dead. I've, uh, have I seen that? No, I haven't. That's Ash the guy with the uh, chainsaw back hand. In, yeah, that's, yeah, so that's in the second one he gets a chainsaw hand. But at the end of the second one he gets sucked into a portal after getting rid of the demon. But the portal sends him to the past. And it's him like chilling with the Knights of Camelot fighting deadites. And it just feels like Monty, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That weirdly sounds like the Kung Fury plot. It's so funny. 
<laughs> just like all these <laughs> there's a there's like a bit where a demon woman is chasing him and he just whips out the double barrel shotgun and he just goes eat this she bitch <laughs> like I will say the first Evil Dead is the weakest out of the five, in my opinion. Six, if you count the series. It's the weakest one by far. Okay. Because I feel like it doesn't do anything better than any of the other ones. Well, after watching the first one, and then watching this one, which is essentially just the first one, but better in every single aspect. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Evil Dead 2 is, like, the perfect horror comedy. Because it still keeps some of, like, the more horror aspects of it, you know? See, I have a controversial uh, controversial opinion here. What? Horror comedies as a whole are crap. Most of them are, but there's some there's some gems out there. I'm sure there are some gems out there, but I think that in they, the should woods. Just, they should just pick one. Yeah, Cabin, Cabin in, in the, the woods, woods did it well. Ready or not, it's a banger. Because the issue with most horror comedy is that they don't have a story, whereas Cabin in the Woods did. And that's what irks me a bit, is like, oh yeah, you've got spooky. Ah. Oh, you've got funny ha-has. Ah. But there's no... Evil Dead 2 does have a story, and so does the third one. Okay. Because it actually delves a lot more into the book and the demons, and you learn about what they actually are. Because the okay, second one takes place kind of like right after the first one. It's still that same night. And it's about him being stuck up in that cabin on his own trying to figure out how to get rid of it. And then the third one is him in the good old days trying to get back to the present. Hmm. But yeah, the f second one's the perfect horror comedy. Third one is just straight out comedy. Like, it's just comedy. The that I can get behind. Evil, the 2013 one, I'd say is probably like the spookiest and creepiest one. And then Rise has the most interesting story by far. Hmm. Because you want to know something about Rise. Sure. It's not set in a cabin. Well, that's a surprise. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a good film. I went to see it in the cinema twice when it was up. I went to see it that first time and I was like, they just don't miss. They just hit every time. Okay. It's really good. Okay. I'll need to add that to my ever-growing list of things I need to watch. I think that would be one that would be interesting to do on the podcast with Scott. I think Scott will be, like, horrored out eventually, though. That if we span them enough, I. That's the thing is, I'm kind of I want to get him through the classics first. Well, did we even get him to watch Scream? Not yet, no, because I need to put. I'm gonna be putting way too much effort into that episode, so I need like a good three months to get that one ready. That's fair. Because I liked the film too much for it not to be like a masterpiece of a podcast. Oh no! I was I when I started planning it like two weeks into us doing this podcast for the first time, and I'm not gonna lie. If I go to my Instagram, I I did 
I tried to get us some inside scoops. Did you ever hear back? I did not hear back. That but I did DM Matthew Lillard. Oh. The little fruity dude himself. Yeah, exactly. Goddamn helium legs. It would have been hype, but you know what? He's a busy man. I didn't expect anything to come from it anyway, but I thought that would be pretty cool. So yeah, anyway, that will happen, but I think, yeah, we need to get him to watch the classics before we get him to watch the new ones. Yeah. I think we need to stick to some good movies. Nightmare on Elm Street. I really want to watch that one because I love that film. Oh, I haven't seen it. It's so good. It actually, like, genuinely terrified me the first time I watched it because there's some jump scares in that that are just so good. Oh, what was that other... There was um, a TV show on Netflix. I know what you did last time. No, no. It was about this guy that um, he did video, like old school videotapes. He would repair them. And he was in this like multi-billionaire's like, mansion or something. And he was repairing all of the videotapes. And as he developed more oh, and more of the videotapes... Oh, Archive 81. That's the one. That was so good. And then not, I don't think we're ever getting good things. I don't think we're ever going to get the second season because it's Netflix and Netflix cancels anything that's good that doesn't go viral. Very true. They also had they had a Scream TV show for a while that was absolutely banging. But it got cancelled as well. Oh. It was anyway, so weird. good because the mystery was so much better because instead of being an hour and a half, it was like five hours. Ooh. So it made it more like a murder mystery show, but with very brutal stabbings. That's what you're looking for. And I seem to remember someone getting shoved into like a combine harvester. That's kind of grim. Anyway, speaking of gore, and re- actually, yeah. more kind of better segue to my first point is, speaking about reboots, I think this is the greatest horror reboot of all time. Um, now, I'm trying to think of any other horror reboots uh, I've seen. Uh, I'm about to say, that's not saying much. Yeah, the bar is set rather low, considering yeah. like most horror movies, let's be honest, most horror movies are shit. Um, as much as it pains me, and as well, you enjoy the shit ones because you love your B tier horror. I do love B tier horror, because, but it needs to be on purpose B tier horror. Yeah. Evil Dead 1, on purpose B tier horror. Chopping Mall, on purpose B tier horror. Those are good. But when you've got something that's like, I don't, I don't want to shit talk, but Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey tried way yeah. too hard to be serious it yeah. looks like they're improving on that for the second one i just watched the trailer last night i'm quite excited yeah but you can't really trust trailers with horror because but they're making my... it a cinematic universe with all the with all the public domain characters oh god there's a peter pan one and the exact quote was tinkerbell's not what you expect I I shouldn't say the exact quote, but I read this on Instagram last night, and it was a quote from the director. 
and it was something along the lines of in our story Tinkerbell is a heroin addict who won't give it up because she thinks it's fairy dust I'm going to see that and then there's there's a Bambi one Oh, that's already a horror movie in its own right. Yeah, but it sounds like it's about the co- Bambi going after revenge. Oh hell yeah! So like, I wanna, I wanna know how are they gonna keep it a deer? Because at least like Winnie the Pooh walks, like he kind of makes sense to be a serial killer. What's Bambi gonna do? Just run at you really fast? She'll do her best, and that's all that can be asked flip on the ice but accidentally like spear you with antlers absolutely but anyway we are heavily sidetracked so that's we what must... makes us special though. no we need to talk about the movie it's what the people are here for so yeah um a very 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 i know we talked about this in length over the past few weeks is that we feel like we need to kind of stop doing the this podcast is an hour of us recapping the whole movie and then 15 minutes of us discussing the movie because mm-hmm. i tried i listened to the how to train your dragon one and that recap part wasn't the most interesting and it's nothing against scott and kyle when they were chiming in with their own opinions i really enjoyed it but when they're just sitting there going this happened then this happened then this happened yeah. i was zoning out so the most basic level overview of this film i can give is our main character mia is addicted to drugs she goes to this cabin so that she can try and quit cold turkey and her friends have all agreed that they're not gonna let her leave no matter how much she begs because she's tried this before and she od'd recently officially died and had to be revived and they think that if it happens again that's her that's the plot of the movie and one uh, thing that's like the start of it you're missing the whole yeah oh well, yes like, right there's demons there's dead yeah there's demons there's a book that's they essentially open a portal to a demon dimension yeah, let something back in and it kills everybody almost yeah. done yeah. <laughs> but one thing i want to say is that i really like that kind of idea of centering it around mia's drug addiction and her quitting cold turkey because it's one of the only times I've seen these kind of cabin in the woods esque horror films where it actually makes sense that the characters don't leave. Yeah. It's a breath of fresh air. It doesn't make up for some of the stupid decisions. No, but it makes up for like the first half of yeah. the film until someone actually dies. Yeah. You're like, okay, no, they think she's lying, which in this situation, she very well could be. Yes. And it does make sense. And it's good that they've done that. It's nice that they actually developed some kind of a story instead of, we are going to this castle. There is skeletons here. Oh no, we can't leave. Yeah, Um, because even in the first Evil Dead, they kind of had it as like a tree fell down and blocked the only passage. Yeah. And they kind of, they called back to that, but instead of a tree, it was flooding. But they were already, like, knee-deep in all of the shit by that point, so it was fine. So anyway, the the first point, as I said, I want to kind of talk about here is why this is, in my opinion, the best horror reboot. Now, I've not 
I've not seen every horror reboot, and for ones I have seen, I've not seen all the originals. So I've got three here that I've seen the originals, and seen the reboots, and I don't know what you're... I know one of them you'll have definitely seen, so we can get your opinions on that one. Mm-hmm. A few honourable mentions. I know the Suspiria remake gets a lot of love. I found it one of the most boring movies I've ever watched, and the original is one of my favourite horror films, so that didn't help. So, not going to mention that one. Um, Mainly because I think I watched it too close to watching the original for the first time, so I didn't view it through a fair lens. So I want to I wouldn't want to kind of give my opinion on it when I feel like I've I didn't watch it in the most fair light the first time. I've already found two reboots that I didn't know were reboots. Yeah, um, um, the thing is another one. I've yeah, I love I, the thing. I've never seen John Carpenter's The Thing. I, I've always meant to, but I watched. I think it was Prince of Darkness and The Fog. Oh and I yeah. Really didn't enjoy either of them, and it made me a bit hesitant to watch the thing. The thing is genuinely good. It's, I will. I, will I would rate it. it. Um, but did you know I Am Legend is a reboot? I didn't know it was a reboot. I know it was based on a book. Yeah, apparently it's a horror movie remake. So that was a surprise and then the other one was the ring but we know that already yeah. because of ringu ringu well um, it's yeah it's oh i've still never seen the american remake i might give it a watch but it's good that it's the, really good ringu is just so terrifying because so much of the film you want to look away but since you're reading subtitles you can't <laughs> that's evil <laughs> and that's for like Make, elevates the fear for me is that you're just like I'll be honest I would have probably glanced away because it's like a long shot of something you're like nah it's, she's coming out she's gonna jump out in a second here but you can't look away or else you miss the plot of the film oh that's cruel and the I plot like is top tier oh, I'm gonna be watching that this weekend but anyway, the films I want to talk about for these reboots. First up is <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. We mentioned how much I like the first one before. Now, have you heard much about the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot, Carl? I have not, believe it or Go not. Go look up Nightmare on Elm Street reboot Freddy. The only thing I can think to say is, look how they massacred my boy. Oh my god, what is that? <laughs> yeah, they... What is that? Obviously, the original <laughs> is a lot of practical effects. And that really adds to what makes Freddy terrifying. <laughs> but the reboot is... Him. It's just CGI. Like and it just looks like someone... I take it you're looking at the picture. He's got like a little <laughs> smirk going on. He looks like a goblin from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I want to make sure that we're looking at the same picture here. Because this oh. picture is top tier. How did or... that make it past like any form of quality? <laughs> he, oh, just, no. he just looks like a cheeky guy in that image. He does. 
like it's so that's bad. not terrifying. I'm bursting out laughing if that shows up in my dreams. Oh god! And it in my it loses what's core to the series by one, not making Freddy scary, and two, Freddy has no quips. He's not like Freddy was a bit goofy when he was killing people. Because it makes sense because he's in your dreams. This guy yeah. did none of that. Oh, so man. it just doesn't feel like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and it's bad, so it has two negatives against it in my eyes. So that's not a great horror reboot. Another one is Halloween. I know you've not seen the original, but did you ever see the 2018 movie? Um... Oh, what was the Halloween that I have seen? Because I remember it was on... This is a little bit of a blast of the past. Um, do you remember Sky Movies where there was one channel on Sky Movies that was free? It wasn't pay-per-view. Film 4? No, it was, it was specifically Sky Movies. I don't know. Because they bring out like new movies on like... It was channel like 300 and something. Um, Go look up Halloween Rob Zombie because I get the feeling that might be the one you've seen then. Well, no, I know which Halloween it was. It was Halloween H2O. Oh, that one stunk, didn't it? Yeah, but it was like... I remember I started watching it and there was one scene where they're in an outdoor bathroom or some shit. And there's just some spooky nonsense going on. I was like, this is crap. And then I just switched channels. So Halloween... And it has the most incomprehensible timeline of all time. I know I sent you it a few days ago, and it's just, oh, I think there's like, yeah. so there's the originals, and then Halloween 3 doesn't take place in the same universe. It's just called Halloween 3. And then there's H2O in that, which take place after Halloween 2. I'm just going to double check this to make sure that I'm not. So we have the original timeline being, I've got read it up, the most trustworthy source of information. So the original timeline is Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween 4, Halloween 5 and Halloween, what I'm assuming is 6, from 1995. Then, we have the second timeline of Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween H2O, and Halloween, I think it's called Resurrections from 2002. Then we have the reboot timeline, which is all on its own. It's the two Rob Zombie films of Halloween and Halloween 2. We also have the anthology timeline, which is just Halloween 3. And then we have the most recent timeline being Halloween 1978, Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. Five different timelines. Fuck that. Now, Halloween... 2018 
is just Halloween. Like, in name, but in structure. It's a very similar movie, and it does nothing to really warrant its existence. Halloween Kills, it showed promise. It was an interesting banger. Because the people go hunting for Michael Myers. And then, spoiler alert, there's a scene at the end where Michael Myers does like a 1v20 while he's getting beat on. And it is so cool. Okay. And then do you know what they do with this really cool Michael Myers? Hmm. They make him a bitch. In Halloween Ends, he spends the whole movie in a sewer, and somehow looking into his eyes corrupts another kid to do all the killings. And then he dies. Okay. I've never been more mad in a cinema in my life. Because I'm... the movie set starts off wild, because it's like, this guy's babysitting a kid, and the kid locks him in a door at the top of the stairs. And he's like, let me out, let me out. And then he, like, kicks the door open. The door hits the child, and the child falls, like, over the banister, and, and splats. And the child dies. And that's how, okay. that's how the movie starts. And then, so you're thinking, okay, interesting. And then nothing happens for the rest of the film. Huh. So again, I think that's another example of a bad remake. Because it's kind of ruining the character of Michael Myers. Yeah, that kind of just destroys the entire story that was built up to that point. Now, and I know you've seen this one. I hope you have anyway. Spiral. Also Spiral. known as Saw 9. The one with Chris Rock. Uh, give me a second while I look at it. Oh yeah, yeah I've seen so, that. So, it's a good movie, but it's not a Saw movie. That's exactly what I thought. When I, I really it. like Spiral as Spiral, but I don't like Spiral as Spiral from the Book of Saw. Yes. Could not agree more. And I think that, again, it's just... That, in my opinion, is the most annoying way to do the horror kind of reboot slash remake slash reinvigoration. Is taking something that could have been a perfectly fine standalone movie and, and slapping the name, on it. the name on it. Yeah. Because it's not even Jigsaw. The guy had no ties to Jigsaw in the film. So he could have just been a deranged guy. None yeah. of the traps are one as well, which goes against the whole point of Saw. For fuck's sake. Like, think, yeah, exactly. I realized that when I rewatched it. Not a single person survives a trap in that film. And more so annoyingly, half of them are really easy. A guy just has to step off a ladder and his tongue falls out. And he couldn't even do that. But anyway, we're, get, we're getting off topic. We're going to do the Saw Again. movies one day. And me and Kyle will be able to rant about Spiral while Scott sits in the corner mentally scarred for all the gore he just had to watch over the span of a week. Yeah, I, I genuinely feel sorry for Scott. Because, like, that feels like a trial 
that me and you did just willingly to ourselves. I feel we like young. that's the thing is Saw is such a long franchise now that I feel like everyone that gets into it watches them all at once. Yeah. Well, you I, I got into it after Saw 7, so I watched 1 to 7 in the span of two days. I watched it when I was 13. So I don't know how many movies were out back then. Um, I think, honestly, that could have been all of them. Because Saw the Final Chapter came out in 2010. Uh, yeah, so I saw up until... Wait, how old am I now? 25. Uh, 13, so that's 12 years ago. So 2012. Yeah, would have seen all the way up to Saw 3D. Okay, so we watched the same ones just at different times because Jigsaw yeah. came out so much later. Thing is, though, is I watched it in, like, I did an all-nighter because oh, I was God, staying at a friend's worse. house and he fell asleep at, like, 9 o'clock at night. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just watch all the Saw movies then because that's what we were meant to do. And then he woke up again, like, 5 o'clock in the evening the next day. And I was just like, yo... Wait, five o'clock in the evening? Yeah. He slept for like 20 hours? Yes. How? Because he had done like two all-nighters in a row. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Me and this guy, we shared like a really fucked sleeping pattern. <laughs> he missed all the saws. He missed all the saws and then he just looked at me, a shell of a human. Just like playing Gary's mod on the laptop, like I need to distract myself from how much I've just witnessed. I didn't know a human body could do that. Exactly. It was so bad. Uh I can't wait to make Scott do it. Yeah. But yeah, all those films, well, I think they fail in different ways of being a good reboot of because kind of Nightmare on Elm Street loses what made the series so special. Mm -hmm. Halloween ruins its main character and Spiral just slaps the name Saw on its cover to get people into the seats. Yeah. Evil Dead still feels like an Evil Dead film. But it's not trying to go hey look, here's Ash but it's not played by Bruce Campbell. Or, here's our version of Ash. Mia isn't Ash, she's Mia. Mm-hmm. And it's not, look, it's the same. Look at the funny wisecracks the whole time. Like, they keep it a lot more of a serious tone, a lot more horror, but they manage to keep that Evil Dead feel to it. And I think a lot of it has to do with kind of the Deadites being the thing that makes Evil Dead Evil Dead. The way that I see the evil, like the 2013 Evil Dead, is that it's what the director envisioned the original to be. It's how yeah. he would have wanted it to go. If he had the budget, if he had the resources, the connections, the 2013 one would have been the first movie. Mm-hmm. And it shows, at least in my opinion, it shows because there's, it's very well done. It's so well done, and it's the director's, I'll just get his name, but it's his uh, feature-length debut, this film. Oh, is it? Yep. God damn. So it's Fede Alvarez. I've heard Um, that name before. uh, Because he also directed Don't Breathe. 
that's where I've heard that name before. So, God, that's yeah. a, a cursed movie. Yeah, he'd done a few short films before this, but nothing feature length. And I suppose we can kind of tie this into another thing I was going to say about why the Evil Dead franchise as a whole kind of works on this more standalone level. Mm-hmm. And I think it is, it's the fact that it's the feel of the movie and not the characters that make it Evil Dead, you know? Well, the thing with that is that the one constant within every single one of the Evil Dead movies is the book. Yeah. And that's all you need. If you and have the you, book, you can make an Evil Dead movie. And you need the Deadites being little cheeky boys. Well, yeah, there is that. Because they... Um, <laughs> what was that quote? Come down here and let yes, me suck I can this suck your pretty, cock, boy. pretty boy. Yeah, I will admit, that was the only time I laughed in the entire oh, movie. But it was so hard and chuckle. Like, every like, time, was... Deadites just drop banging jokes. Oh, that was like a proper like belly yeah. laugh. Where I was like, God damn, I might need to pause this. I don't know how long it's gonna last. And I it's think just what, such a stark contrast. Yeah. And I think what really helps as well is that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell have been producers on this and on Evil Dead Rise. Mm-hmm. So you have the people that made this series what it is. They're kind of keeping an eye on it and making sure it's not going down the wrong path. Yeah, and the thing is, is this movie didn't suffer from what Sinister did. No. The last 20 minutes is still interesting. It didn't get the Friday the 13th treatment where like, nothing happens until the last 20 minutes. There's no, this... stuff happening all the time, and it's this great. This film starts on like a young adult? Maybe a teenager? I couldn't, I don't know. Getting burnt at the stake. Yeah, it's That's like, the oh. opening scene. It's like, why is, how is this connected to things? Oh, we've transitioned to like generic group of teens or like young adults. Oh, that's how it connects as you go through the movie. So it's, it's like a sticking point. It's the anchor. And like everything else is just going on. And you're like, yes, this all makes sense. This is all logical. Kind of. If possessing, getting possessed by demons through witchcraft is logical. Um, but it's all like connected instead of your typical horror that's just. We're going to tie everything together with wet spaghetti and pray it works. Oh no, it's not working. We're going to throw in jokes. <laughs> That'll make everyone happy. Yeah, and kind of having that as the intro tells the viewer everything they need to know without having it be some random expedition dump that the characters find out when they realistically shouldn't. Exactly. Like it lets the, so it well lets done. it keep the whole film of the characters really not knowing what they're dealing with, whilst the viewer knows exactly what they're dealing with. Yes, and it's like the guy with the glasses that looks like every hippie ever. Oh, he, he gets it so bad. Like, he yeah, does. he released the demon, so he kind of deserved it. But every single time one of the people get possessed, they attack him. Yeah. He's going through the ringer. The thing is, with him, is that, like, he read the book, he did all the things he shouldn't have done. It happens. Um, But he doesn't tell everyone about it until an actual reasonable time. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, she's, like, uh, what's her face? It's when Mia kills the dog. Yeah. He starts thinking, okay... 
maybe well, this is something to do with that. And then when his girlfriend cuts her entire face off, yeah, then he's because like, he's okay. finally pieced things together. Because yeah. he's like, oh yeah, me is covered in like cuts from thorns, and then he finds the page about that. Um, that entire scene was grim, by the way. That was vile. With her being stuck in the thorns and stuff. That was horrible. Yeah. If I could bleach that, actually, I've got a bottle of rum next to me. I could just wipe the hard drive. Um, probably best I don't, though. And then watch it again. No, oh God, no. That was certainly something. It. The acts within the movie are really good at making you uncomfortable. Yeah. So I... I did not we, we, we have pleasant. a section about kind of the gore and the visual effects in this and we'll we'll come back to that later but it's really good but it's just it's all tied together really well and he only tells him when he's like 100% certain instead of like doubting himself and making everyone think he's crazy he waits until he has actual like reason to tell everyone like hey guys this may be connected Because it's a realistic thing to do. Yeah, that, that's what I really like about the whole film, is that you can see, okay, yeah, if I'm in this situation, maybe I don't read the book out loud, but if I had, yeah, I wouldn't immediately go, oh, it's not that she's going through withdrawal, it's because I read a book and there's a demon going about. No, exactly. But when you start to see, okay, she's not the only one doing stuff now. That's when maybe it's important to bring that information to the forefront. Yeah, it's very well done. I quite enjoyed it. Um, the story itself was very strong throughout the entire movie. It ends on a good note that. I thought was like an acceptable ending. I watched all the credits as well because the music was banging. Oh, so you heard the uh, the groove? Yeah, yeah. And I also heard the the guy at the very end reading the words that shouldn't be said for the book. Begins with an N. There's there's the an Necronomicon. No, not the Necronomicon. It's like the words that he actually used to bring the demon into the world. See, I wish you'd seen Army of Darkness because this is a thing that happens in that film as well. Oh, right, okay. Because they find out you have to read the book back to get so that he can like travel back to the future. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene where Ash is in the cemetery and he's reading off the words and he goes, and he's like, N and I know it's an N word, and he just can't remember what he has to say. <laughs> it's just is uh yeah, but yeah. As Carl said, I really I wish more horror films would just be ninety minutes. Yes, it's all you need. Thirty minutes for setting up everything. Thirty minutes for everything to go to shit. Thirty minutes to resolve everything. Done. Yeah, it's glorious. Or well. 10 minutes at the end as well to mm -hmm. credits. Clean up. Well, you need credits in that too. Yeah. I think just kind of to close out my, my thoughts about why Evil Dead works well as a standalone, I think it's, an, it's really a great franchise for up-and-coming filmmakers to 
to direct. So obviously we have Sam Raimi doing his first ever movie with Evil Dead 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fede Alvarez did his direct feature-length directorial debut with Evil Dead 2013. And Lee Cronin, it looks like, apologies if I'm misspeaking here, but from what I can see, it was his second feature-length movie with Evil Dead Rise. And I think having a kind of not well-known director make these movies, they don't have any expectation on them for what their style is. Mm -hmm. And it lets them really go wacky. Yeah, they... Like, what other film is going to have their main character be a demon for 80% of it? Yeah. Because Mia is very clearly our main character. 20 minutes in, she gets turned into a deadite. And then 10 minutes before the end, she gets turned back. Yeah. But she's still the main character. It doesn't transition into, okay, this is David's movie now. No. We're kind of seeing the movie... From the perspective of her as a deadite, it's she's very much the main character all the way through, and I think of maybe people with more experience or kind of that have a, a predefined style and want to play it safer wouldn't do that. No, I, I think it would be a very difficult thing to do right, and they did it right in this. Mm-hmm. Because like, even in the other Evil Dead movies, the the main character is never the one to be infected by the deadite. Mm-hmm. And it, it really adds something to it because it's, you're not sitting there like, why don't you just kill her? Because you're like, well, no. I like this character. Please don't just kill them. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> you're thinking of scenes again, aren't you? Yeah. Well, a perfect transition because my next topic is kind of the gore and visual effects and what I think is a very fine line there is in horror, especially right now, with balancing making it horrifying or risking making it hilarious. And that may be a weird word to pick, but I have some examples of Saw 3D being a main one the yeah, blood is all pink in that movie yeah um i don't know have you seen the movie smile is that the one with the guy with no eyes i don't know it's the one that's just like a rip off of it follows i think so where they smile and then kill themselves oh no i'm thinking of a different movie yeah. well um... There's a really bad-looking, massive smile demon at the end that was just laughably just not good. Where's the movie I'm thinking of? Well, well, you find that. My other example is, I don't know if you've seen The Pope's Exorcist. I haven't. I've purposefully avoided it because I've never heard a single good thing. There's a scene at the end where Russell Crowe's face gets stretched. And it's so... So distractingly horrific. And oh, I found the movie. What is it? Smiley. Oh, is that the one with the YouTubers? Uh, I think so. It's the one where like the guy has no face, but he's got like stitches for eyes, 
and like stitches for a smile. Yeah, so go take a and look at And he has this. like eyes on his hands and he puts them over where his stitches for his eyes were. So that has Shane Dawson in it. Does it? Yeah. Cats beware. Whoa, whoa wait a second. I'm it confused. has Toboskis in it. Hear me out. So if you type in to Google Smiler movie and click Smiler. on images. Yes, yeah, Smiler. S-M-I-L-E-R and then movie. When you click on images, there's like usually the recommendations along the top. Mm-hmm. For some reason, mine has Twilight Sparkle. from Yeah, Twilight on Stadium. the third one. And then, yeah, and then Luffy and I Peter Pan. I think it's because of the smile. Why is Pinkie Pie in there? It's a horror movie. But anyway. See, Truth or Dare's on there. I actually really enjoyed that film. I was tempted to watch it, and then I just I looked at it and I was like, it's probably B tier. And I it's, was in the mood for something scary. I would say it's not B tier, but it's not scary. It's just interesting. Uh, yeah. I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it then. No. But yeah, um, these are all kind of films that use visual effects and use gore terribly to an extent yeah. where it potentially it ruins your joy. I mean, even earlier we were talking about Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. Where the blood is orange. Or just more the look of Freddy. Yeah, Freddy just looks like a funny guy. Yeah. He's just and a funny dude skulking around. They do it so well in this film. And it's kind of a mixture of Carefully shooting it so that you're not always showing everything. Mm-hmm. Shooting it in a lot of dark lighting, which makes sense story-wise because it's a cabin in the woods at night. Yeah. And also, horrifically good sound design. Yeah, the sound really got me. Um, and it annoyed me that the sound was that good. Mm-hmm. Because I use quite high-level headphones because i'm one of those freaks that really cares about audio um and some of the noises that i was hearing i was like i had to take my like one of my headphones off and just like look around i was like was that like rhythmic thumping my front door or was that downstairs in the movie i can't tell so i had to pause the movie and go check and i was like oh it was a movie and i just had that split second when I was in my hallway, I was like, I'm in the middle of watching a horror movie. My entire house has no lights on except for the living room. I'm going to go back to the living room real fast now. <laughs> Just did like a little zoomy back in. I was like, nope, I'm good. Never worry. So I think if we were to talk about every gore scene in this movie, we could be here all day. Yeah. So I'm um... going to talk about my top three. And then you can give me yours, and if they're similar, we can discuss. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. So, number one, and it's... I hate to say it because it was outrageous, but... When she kills the dog. Oh, man. It is done so well, because you don't see it happen. You see the shot of the ground... The camera's on the ground looking up at Mia... And you just see her swinging at the ground. And all you see is the blood splatter onto her and you hear the noise. And that does such a better job than showing it ever could have. Oh god, that that made me sad. 
I know, I always forget well it happens. Done. And when he looks down the hole and the dog's there, it's just that yeah. heart sink moment. Oh, and like the way he was cuddling him, I was just like, man, this is no... That, that was such a well-done scene. They couldn't have done that any better. It's one of the only movies that I will let off for killing a dog because they actually did it well and had it service the story instead yeah. of just, this hasn't had enough kills yet, but we've not got enough main characters. Yeah. <laughs> cough, cough, conjuring. That's the that. exact one that I was thinking of. Like, yeah, it kind of progressed the story, but not for the characters themselves. It progressed it for the viewer. Which yeah, is infuriating. It because someone needed to die. Yeah, someone needed to die. Oh, well, we can't just keep on throwing birds at the house. We're going to kill the dog now. And it's like, no, no, you don't just, no, no, you don't you do that. Up 20 minutes off the film's length and had it be a person. Exactly. Just kill off, like, one of the adults. Killing off one of the kids early is kind of brutal. Yeah. Second one. Yeah, well, I'm two and three for me here. They've never left my brain since I first saw this movie. Uh huh. First one is the face getting cut off. Oh god, yeah. That because was grim. The noise from that was great. It, it's because you know what's happening because you've seen that the instead of telling you what's happening. It's done so well. It you shows the you the book. And yeah. it shows you that they need to take their face off. Yeah. It's, it's stuff like that that really make me appreciate this film. It's the classic like thing that you need to do in animation, movies, all forms of media. Show, don't tell. Yeah. Because other and films would have like... So well. When the demon showed up in the mirror, it would go, you need to cut your face off. But yeah. in this, it's just, no, we know she needs to do it, and it's just him walking into the toilet, and you just hear the noise and see the pile of blood at her feet grow yeah. and grow and grow, and you're just sitting there dreading Ugh. her turning around. It's that sawing noise, man. Yeah. Because like, you can hear it catch one or two times, and you can tell it's catching on bone. And you're just like, I did not feel good listening no. to that. And it's just, it was the horrid. sound design again shines here so much. Because this, the it's pulling the weight of the horror in this scene for you. Because until mm. you see her face, you don't know what she's doing. You know she has to take her face off, but she could just be like, cutting tiny bits off. But the, the noise really shows the brutality yeah. that she is going at it with. And then when she turns Ooh. around, effectively looking like a zombie. Yeah. It's like she tried to turn herself into Melina from Mortal Kombat. Exactly. And then but she only got halfway. To add insult to injury, she stabs the man 20 times with a syringe. And we have to see the scene of him pulling it out from under his eye. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was horrid. Oh my god. I know, because like, you could, you could just feel the pain. It's so weird that I felt relief when he finally took that broken bit of porcelain and just smashed her skull in. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, we don't have to deal with her being grim. <laughs> no. And 
it was just horrifying. And the the third most gore scene it's when she licks the box car. <laughs> no, it's was, no. it's the most deadite thing imaginable. That and, that made me gag. Yeah, but it's just like, yeah, that's exactly what the deadites do. They don't mm-hmm. care about the bodies they're in, they're just here for people to die. Yeah. And it's just like the kind of both boisterous attitude of the dead out of <laughs> you think this was gonna stop me. Watch what I do with it. It's just oh and it's just it's so well done as well because she's in the basement at the time. So the shots are really dark. All you're really seeing is her head. So yeah. it, it opens it up for them to be a lot more creative of how they're how they would have filmed that or how they would have used CGI. I'm not sure which way they went. I certainly think it's probably practical effects because it looked way too good. See, what it could have been is... Because back then in 2013, getting your tongue split was all the rage. They might have gotten a stunt double who had their tongue split. Yeah. Yeah. Because the way their tongue was moving, I was like, they're moving that like... Yeah, I think you're right, because when you see it next, the two halves of the tongue are kind of moving. Yeah, because, yeah, they could have done it in CGI, in which case, they did a damn good job. But I think it was just a stunt fluid, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose as well, when you have Jane Clavy wearing that much makeup, yeah, it makes it it a lot easier to sneak in stunt doubles. Apologize, Jane Levy, I don't know why I did this either. Ah, shame on you. But yeah, that's my top three. I only have, I only have one, and it would have replaced the um the dog, and it's the scene with the thorns, purely because of the sound. Yeah. Now, I refuse to talk much about that. All I will really say on it is that it was utterly vile, and they did that exceptionally well, and it made me feel sick. Because yep. they did this, they did a similar thing in the first movie that was more comedic than anything. It was still it, grim, but it yeah. was comedic. And it just, I felt uneasy to my very core. I did not like watching that. But at the same time, it kind of glues you to it. So you're just sitting there disgusted. Yeah, they did a really good job on that one. I hated it. I think I would also... Yeah, I agree. I think I'd also be remiss, though, not to give an honourable mention to the meat slicer scene. Oh, yeah, that was so well done. Wait, Which no. Are we thinking of the same one? Her whole arm off. Oh, oh. Yeah. With the, with the beef cutter, because the deadite bit her in the arm, in the hand. And yeah. it's so well done, because you're sitting there like, yes... If I'm in this situation, that's probably what I'm going to try and do. Yeah, like, this bitch is coming off. Yeah, but it's the fact that you just, like, you, again, like, with the face, you can hear it hitting bone, and then yeah. she turns around, and she goes, I cut it off, and then it plops off onto the ground. Yeah. It's that fucking oh. thud. That wet thud was just, oh, I'm actually feeling kind of ill. Um, it was horrid, but I thought you were meaning with the beef slicer. Is at the very beginning of the movie when they just have this random jump cut to like them just cutting a slice of meat with that thing? Yeah, 
like, yeah, that is a weird scene. It was such a weird scene, but it was also like really well placed. Like something it's, in my brain was like, yeah, this fits here. It's the kind of like they're setting everything up, you know? They're like, here's this meat slicer. Yeah. Show don't tell. Here's this item. Here's this item. Look, she has syringes. Oh, why would they have syringes? Well, she's a doctor and they were prepared for this because dealing with ODing friend. And it's to give her medication to help her for the night. And then you have like the the scene at the beginning. Here's exactly what you need to do to get rid of a deadite. But they don't know that, so they're not going to do it instantly. Yeah, because they don't trust the book at that point. No, because it's just... If you open that book, it is just rambling. Until you see it happen. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, on the gore end, I think that's all I have to say, unless you want to... There's actually one other scene. Well, two others. Um, so when... Is it Mia? Yes. Yes. Oh, I got a name right. Monumentous occasion. Um, it's when Mia gets her arm trapped underneath the car. See, the I was end. thinking about mentioning that as well, but I was like, ah, I've already done one it's, arm rip off scene. It's when she like rips it off, like you can hear it snapping, and I was just like, oh, that's kind of grim. And then it goes straight into no, was that straight into? Yeah, it was straight into the chainsaw into the deadite. I she thought that was fantastic. What's her exact words when she does it to the abomination? It's like choke on this. Feast on this, motherfucker. It was so well done. Yeah. It was disgusting, but it was really well done. But I also kind of like the way that in other films they would have had her like chop her arm off. Yeah. Nah, it's getting ripped. <laughs> Fun fact about that scene. Uh huh. So, you know how there's all the blood raining down from the sky? Yeah. At the time, this film holds held the record for most fake blood used in a movie scene. Jesus, and that's no surprise. The amount that was used. Yes. Fuck me. Um, Oh, I've got a list here. I think, is this still? It is still number one. It might get toppled though. Because Markiplier is actually coming out with a movie called Iron Coffin. Uh, No, Iron Lung, sorry. Apologies. Um, Iron Lung and I think one of his goals was to make it was either the longest yeah it's something along the lines of like the longest horror movie and the most fake blood used he's aiming for like a bunch of records with it so this is the 17 bloodiest horror films of all time Um, just to quickly go through it 17 we have Frontiers then Hatchet then The Sadness then Itchy the Killer then The Shining, which is surprising, because I don't really remember there being a lot of blood in that film. Mm-hmm. Then Day of the Dead, then we have the original Saw. Then High Tension, then number nine, we have Hostel Part 2. Eight, The Wizard of Gore. Seven, Tokyo Gore Police. Six is A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. Five, we have Piranha 3D. Four is Martyrs, the French movie. Um. Number three, one that we have to do on the podcast at some point, but it's it's going to be a me and you episode because I'm not that mean and this would ruin Scott, is Terrifier 2. Oh, yeah. 
number two is dead alive slash brain dead. And then at number one, we have uh, Evil Dead 2013, where the final battle between Mia and the Abomination takes place during a bloody rainstorm where blood rains down from the sky and covers our heroine from head to toe. This scene alone is claimed to have used over 50,000 gallons of blood. Jesus. Which earns Evil Dead the honor of most fake blood used in a movie. God damn. That is insane that they didn't like just use water and color it red in post. I mean, kudos to them for commitment. <laughs> well that that's another thing that I think makes Evil Dead great for these kind of new and upcoming directors is that I feel like when you're in that position you want to do it yourself a lot more. Yeah, you want to just improvise where you can. Yeah. You want to do what you can to make. That's why the original Saw is just never going to be taught by any of the sequels. Yeah. Because it was so unique at the time as well. Yeah. But, okay. <laughs> Off of the gore. We've, we've talked a lot about the gore. Kyle wants to eat after this, so we'll give him a little break. <laughs> My final point <laughs> is that. There's some fantastic performances in this movie. That's undeniable. I and could not agree more. I think, as a whole, I looked into this. Because first off, I honestly think that Jane Levy should have got a Best Actress Oscar nomination for this role. Because all of her acting in the film is fantastic. She effectively plays two different characters for the entire movie. Because yeah. Mia and Deadite Mia are two completely different characters. But the one thing that shines out to me the most is the scene after the crash where she is talking to David in the bunk bed. The look of terror on her face is, I honestly think, maybe one of the most fantastic pieces of acting I've ever seen. It was so well done with that. Just... Every scene that she was in was creepy. Mm -hmm. And it it's was just fantastic. The, the look of pure terror on her face where she said, there, there's something in here. I started believing there was something in my room, like a demon. <laughs> it was just so well done. Ooh, and ooh. I also think it's not fair just to name Jane Cle Levy's performance. They all uh, did fantastic. They all did fantastic, but um, let me just get the actresses' names in particular here. Uh, Jessica Luce Lucas and Elizabeth Blackmore. They also both played portrayed deadites at quite a length during the movie. Mm -hmm. And again, absolutely fantastic how they play the two different characters so polarizingly different. To their actual character. Speaking of actors, my brain had like an itch that I've been trying to scratch. You know the hippie looking dude with the glasses? Eric. Yeah. Doesn't he look like uh, Wade's best friend in Deadpool? BJ Miller? Yeah. A tiny bit. Nah, put up a side by side comparison because that's what I've just done. Yeah, a tiny bit. 
They look so similar. Uh, just for the record, we are not saying that in any way Lou Taylor Pucci, the actor who plays Eric, is anything like TJ Miller. TJ Miller is not not a great guy. Oh, is he not? No. Um, Actually, I don't want to. I don't want to say I'll, anything before confirming. I will search in my own time. Um, I'm just gonna double check. Yeah, he did some. He did some. He has sexual assault allegations against him. Ah, uh, yeah. Ooh. And then, yeah, he was accused of bullying a fellow actor on the set of Silicon Valley, which led to him being written off the series as well. Ouch. He's well, they may look similar. They may look similar, but I'm hoping the other guys are a lot better human. But yeah, um, speaking of him, I don't want to, to kind of make this sound like we're diminishing his performance or the actor who plays David Shiloh Fernandez. I greatly apologize. I probably butchered that. I should have looked this prior to the podcast so that I could have got the pronunciations correct. But his performance as David and Lou's performance as Eric are both fantastic. Fully agree. The other three actresses just stand out a little bit more because you see them playing the two different characters. Yeah. Highlights how much range they have and it's... You're just sitting there like, wow. That is impressive it's the fact that they flip-flop between the two as well at certain points it's like one minute they're the deadite the one minute they're them it's just like really painful on the brain to try and keep up but it's the good kind of painful it's yeah and you see a lot of the same stuff in evil dead rise as well with the main character in it i do think it's done slightly better in the 2013 movie though So that's that. They're making a new Evil Dead movie. I'm so okay. sorry about this. Dare sidetrack. Well, we're getting close to the end now, aren't we? Anyway. Yes. So. But yeah, um, they're they're doing an Evil Dead movie. Happy days. Might go and see that one with you. Uh, if it's got Evil Dead in the title, I'll be there every day of the week. Actually, that's if up here even decides to show it. They showed a. Uh, they showed Rise. Oh, did they? Yeah. Happy. An Ash versus Evil Dead TV show, brilliant. It has the greatest. It has Ashy Slashy in it. Ooh. Which is you remember that when we were playing Dead by Daylight, I was uh, you playing as Ash, with a puppet on his hand. Oh yeah. That's Ashy Slashy. Oh, okay. It's it's puppet ash that he wears on his hand instead of the chainsaw. Huh. Apparently uh, the most pirated TV show of all time. Just why it never got uh, a season four. Really? Because, because everyone was watching it, but no one was watching it on TV. <laughs> I mean, we're getting into that um, age again where the high seas are becoming more and more tempting. But personally, for all movies that we're watching on the podcast, I firmly believe that they should be paid for and watched. 
Agreed. Every film we've watched so far, I know this is the same for all three of us, I think, is purchased legitimately or streamed on a streaming service. I also would just like to add a little, in case Mr. Jeff Bezos is listening. Fucking, what are you playing at? Making me pay another (laughs) £3 a month for no ads on Prime. I know, right? I was pissed. I went on to watch, you know... I wanted to relax. I wanted to go watch a little bit of Frasier. And it popped up telling me I needed to pay Bezos another three pound. The fuck off. They already showed ads at the beginning for their own shows already. Exactly. It's such a pain in the ass. Oh. Like, it... I don't want to watch ads. It's so um, annoying. I have so... seen you. Yeah. Yeah, so for any of our viewers that ne- can't necessarily afford that price hike, um, it's outrageous. It's nearly a third yeah. of the cost of Prime if you pay monthly, like I do. Yeah, that's how like, much extra they're adding on. Yeah, because I looked at that price hike and I was like, I can't really justify that considering how little I watch on Amazon movies. Um, there are tools out there um that you could locate if you so wished we're not supporting them we're not advocating them but the resources are there um to block these ads um from your machine and from what i've heard they allegedly do work so the thing is obviously we would never never advocate for using such things oh absolutely not i mean obviously we want the viewers to stay away from these things so i mean for example what's one that you should recommend that they stay away from um oh there's quite a few but one that i've heard from a couple of my degenerate friends um is uBlock origin so i would avoid that i'm fairly certain it's malware um yeah it definitely doesn't just block every amazon ad yeah definitely not so yeah i can't recommend that one um neither can i no never used it personally either so never used it and definitely never used it in minecraft oh of course not that's that's what people have to say these days to to get away with stuff isn't it yeah i wonder if i could actually get uBlock origin on minecraft yeah, but I you wouldn't because it's obviously you wouldn't because no, but it because it could be used as a test environment. I will say I use Opera as my browser and it has built-in ad block. And you know what annoys me the most? Do tell. The websites that pop up with like an image of a sad cat. Yeah, and <laughs> we noticed you have ad block on. It's like yes, because ninety percent of the ads are to illegitimate websites or gambling websites. They're yeah. so predatory. They're very predatory, and it's such a pain because, like for example, on YouTube, um, I have like just the bog standard YouTube. I don't pay for YouTube Premium um, because I don't feel like I should pay for like I sh- shouldn't pay ten pound a month when I can watch the ads on YouTubers' videos, because I only subscribe to YouTubers I want to support. And they're the only videos I watch. Exactly. And I would support them through the ads. Yeah, and I would rather pay money to them directly through merch or like a Patreon or something like that than give people money. Yeah. 
but there's also the fact of the ads that I have been getting because I don't have personalized ads. I've got it turned off. So I'm getting like the average ads that they just spew out. And only one of them has been interesting. And I'll talk on that later. But so many of them are either gambling, they're about like, oh yeah, mental health matters, which it does. It genuinely does. Mental health is a huge deal. And it's great that there's tools out there to support it. But when you look deeper into what's being advertised, it's all a scam. And I then there's all of these about... weird anime games that have like characters with their breasts out, essentially. It's like, what is going oh, on? Oh, Instagram's horrendous for that. Yeah. Every really ad perfect. is always a game that isn't the game. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, you need to pull this like block out so you can drop all the gold onto the princess and then you can marry her. And it's like, okay, so you're advertising a puzzle game and you go and look into the game. No, it's a dating sim. It's like, what? What's going on here? None of it makes sense. I hate adverts. It's painful. With a fiery passion. We got very sidetracked yeah, this I will. I will say as well, I don't support that Netflix has done the ads, but I believe the way Netflix did it was make a cheaper version with ads. Yeah. Instead but... of forcing you into a price hike to keep not having ads. Doing ads on a streaming service is completely scummy because the whole point of them was to be away from this. But yeah. that's the lesser of two evils. My issue with streaming services at the moment is that they were there to not necessarily fill a gap, but nobody wanted to go to the movies and pay like £10 for a ticket, £10 for food, then you have to pay for travel, and it was a bit problematic. Um, and then you had to wait to gather like, all these movies and stuff. Streaming service comes in, it's like, oh yeah, you get rid of your Skybox because you don't want to pay 20 quid to watch like the second Harry Potter movie. That's fine. They were cheap and affordable, and they had good quality on them. So I remember Netflix being £4.99 for the HD version. I think it's like 20 quid now. Netflix needs to go back to just sending you out two DVDs a month. Yeah, I fully agree with that. But it's now the fact that like every single streaming service is fighting against each other to like have their content. So you have to have I will say... five different of them r slash unethical pro tips if you would like one uh-huh so i use now tv uh-huh and i have found that if you go to cancel your subscription they offer you it for 80 percent off for six months and then after the six months if you go to cancel their your subscription they offer you the same offer again no way. I've been running this for the past year. Is there anything good on Now TV though? For Sky Movies! I pay £4 a month for Sky Movies! Fuck off. No way. Okay, I'm looking into this. <laughs> it's so good! Because like, I just do the what I call the Gremlin Strat. Where I bought one thing that I knew all of my mates wanted. I paid for Crunchyroll. One account from each of them. <laughs> yeah, I did. So I've nice. got access to Netflix. I've got my own Crunchyroll. I can get like 
YouTube Premium have been offered, but I said no. Um, I could get what should I call it? Disney Plus. I'm on that, and it's like I'm not paying for any of these, but all my mates are doing the same thing, so we're all just circle jerking with like. We've all got one subscription. Yeah, we've all got one subscription, but we can still access everything, which probably is against the TOS. I know Netflix I'm... cracked down on it mentally, which was really annoying, because I gave my Netflix account to my granddad so he could watch cowboy movies, and they took it away from him. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, for fuck's sake, my man was just wanting to watch some cowboy movies. Oh, man. And then they're like, oh yeah, you could pay another £8 a month and have two people on the account in two different locations. It's just... After the six-month minimum term engagement, paying £9.99 a month. You're looking at Now TV? Perhaps. Yeah, and what you do is after that, you hit, you hit uh, cancel, and it has like 10 cancellation options. And when you get to the second last one, it goes, what about this? <laughs> what about this? I'll go mm. check right now. So what are the baseline prices for Now TV? Uh, just six ninety nine a month. Is that the normal one or the offer they're giving you? That's the normal one. Or oh wait, I can claim offer. What is my offer? Uh yeah, six ninety nine. The entertainment package. Entertainment membership. So that's six ninety nine with an offer for you. Yeah. I pay four pounds for that one. Ooh. Um let's see if I type in a now TV cinema. How much are they wanting for that one these days? But that was, yeah. What are they wanting for the cinema one? Uh, oh, I closed the webpage. One second. Let's see. Now, remember, listeners, we are just trying to help you find uh, what best works for you. Oh, so entertainment and cinema is thirteen ninety nine. There doesn't seem to be one for just cinema that I can find. Uh, oh, come on. Why's my brain not working? Aha. Wait a second, I'm being distracted. What the fuck is Hey You? Oh, US reality TV. Yes, no, uh, not that, not that one, not that one, right? Okay, six month saver on cinema membership is six ninety nine. Oh, I need to get onto them, mate. They've got me paying them nine ninety nine a month for the cinema. Yeah, boy. I mean, I'm paying £4 a month for the entertainment now. Oh, and the TED TV show's coming on it tomorrow. Let's go. Oh, happy days. I've seen so many clips on Instagram from it, and they are all so funny. Anyway, we need to round this off. I feel like we've given enough information about the movie and ways Well, I do have some fun, fun facts tying back to our... Uh, discussion about how I think the Oscars snubbed this movie completely. They seem to do it to horror as a whole. Now, I have an interesting list here for you. Um, so, over the, the entirety of the Oscars, how many actors and actresses do you think have won Best Actor or Actress for their role in a horror movie? There's a lot of absolutely fantastic horror films. 
the and best lo- actor or actress in a horror movie? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's a tough one. I think you've got movies like Get Out, where fantastic I've not seen Get Out. Fantastic performance, Midsommar, fantastic performances. Midsommar messed with my head. The man. Witch, fantastic performances. Actually, I can't even think what my favourite horror movie is, aside from Pan Man, of course. There's so many fantastic performances in horror. So how many do you think got the Oscar? Zero. Not that bad. No, actually, no, it'll be one or two. It's six. Okay. Frederick March got it for Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Ruth Gordon got it for Rosemary's Baby. Kathy Bates got it for Misery. Uh-huh. Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster both got one for Silence of the Lambs. Oh, and I need then to watch that too. The most recent one, Natalie Portman, very deservedly got it for Black Swan. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. I haven't heard of Natalie Portman since that one Lonely Island song. Padme. What? Padme. That's who Natalie Portman is. She plays Padme. In Star Wars? Yes. Huh. That's what the song's about. Oh. See, I hate to break it to all the listeners. I am on the wrong podcast because I am god-awful with actors' names or just any names in general. I'm good with faces. So but here's terrible with names. Another fun one for you. I'm going to list off six movies. Uh-huh. How many of them do you think won Best Picture? And which ones? Okay. The Exorcist. Yes or... Did it win? Yes or no? No. Correct. Jaws. Yes. No. What? The Sixth Sense. No. Correct. Black Swan. Yes. No. Get Out. Yes. No. And finally, Silence of the Lambs. Yes? The only horror movie to ever win Best Picture isn't even a real horror film, in my opinion. It's a thriller. See, one of those horror movies that you listed affected me on, like, a deep level. Was that The Sixth Sense? No. Jaws. Yeah. Jaws is good. Jaws, should, Jaws is so good. Jaws is so good. Affected an entire, like, multi... It affected multiple <laughs> me, me and my dad were talking about that because he loves that film. And I was down visiting him. And he was just talk, we're talking about the scene. It's like, every time he goes every diving in the boat. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Head's about to pop up. Head's about to pop up. I'm an adult now. This isn't going to scare me. Head's about to pop up. Oh, fuck! Every yeah, time. It, it lasts longer than you expect it to, so you think it's going to, like, it not pop up for a while. It always happens later or sooner than you expect. Exactly. It's so fucking annoying. They, oh, that's such a good scene. It was it great as well. Every time. They, uh, they re-showed it a few years ago for the anniversary oh. in the cinemas, and I went, and I went with a ton of people who'd never seen Jaws before. <laughs> That's evil. One, That's one of evil. one of whom prided himself on how he never jumps at horror films. And that scene started and I was just side-eyeing him. And he leapt a little bit. 
<laughs> people were screaming in the cinema and everything. I jumped, but I was like, ah, ah, Jaws still has it. Jaws still has Jaws has, like, this is such a weird thing to say, considering, like, I might get slated for it. It has aged incredibly well. It has. But it's because the shark's barely in it. And that yeah. is pure coincidence because the shark broke on day one. Yeah. It's so well done. And even the scenes that the shark is in, you can tell it's fake. But it's still high intensity. It's still thrilling. It's still enjoyable. I think Jaws is one of the only movies that I do not have a single bad thing to say about. My only bad thing about it is I wish they didn't have that scene where he uh, scratches his nails on the chalkboard. <laughs> it makes sense, and that guy is actually a Strollness Academy alumni. Wait, really? Yeah, I know every fun fact about this movie, because my dad tells me them every time we watch it. Your dad sounds like a stand-up guy to watch Jaws with. He, he has asked if he can be on the podcast when we do Jaws. You realize that someday... Like, because we have quite a few movies in the backlog, but someday I'm just going to come out of the left field like, yeah, we're going to watch Jaws. Get your dad on the phone. Get your dad on the phone. He is being summoned. Uh, no, we didn't. We spoke about Evil Dead for about an hour. <laughs> Wait, why is it saying two hours ago when we started at ten past seven and it's only... Because the other hour was us talking nonsense. No, 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 no. The, the bot's not got the right time as well. It's not been two hours. It's like one... 145. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, hope you all enjoyed, and we will see you next week. Safe travels. Bye bye. <laughs>